You're listening to Finding Neurodivergence, a podcast that brings awareness, resources, and community to neurodivergence everywhere. Okay. Hi. Um, we thank you for coming back to Finding Neurodivergence. And um, we have a really exciting guest, someone that is very sought after, even though she's very, <laughs> she's, she's very humble. Um, but she is an... You know, know they're, they're good, good when they have waiting lists. Well, I know. I know. But you know they're good when they call you back three times because they're so interested in hearing about your child and your story. Oh, and that's they care about you. Okay, sorry. Yes. No, no, I know. Um, so we have Deborah Horry. She's an educational therapist who actually is my daughter, JoJo's educational therapist. And JoJo is um, 2E, twice exceptional. And Deborah is just amazing. She comes from her practice, from my viewpoint, very holistically, especially with 2E children or children on the spectrum. A lot of the educational therapy is really about regulation and not actually about 2 plus 2 or learning the basics um, and helping them try to process information, input and output in a way that makes them feel comfortable in a school environment. So... Um, she does a lot of other things. She has nature therapy, which is very cool. I want to hear which, about that. Yeah, Patty and I, I think <laughs> we want to do that. She's a, you're a certified Martha Beck life coach, which I didn't know, which is amazing. Yeah. I love Martha Beck. Um, and she's also a bereavement facilitator. So you're busy. You do a lot of different things. And the bereavement things. goes hand in hand with having neurodivergent kids. Like that's like a really amazing gift to be able to yeah. share to not only the yeah, kids that's... you're doing, but also the parents, because it's a constant, yes, it's a constant loss that you're having, feeling, which you don't think about because you think loss is death, but in reality, it's a loss of a dream, loss of all these things. So that's kind of amazing that you're like the all the whole package. Yes, <laughs> yes. She's the yeah, she is the whole package. She is. She's very sweet, <laughs> and too. a bag of chips, and a bag of chips. Um, and so we really wanted to start with you. Um. You have a neurodivergent child, so we wanted to hear kind of your story on that end. And then we really want to focus on 2E, and so we want you to give us an overview of what 2E is. I mean, I know what it is, but I still don't really know what it is. And, you know. Yeah, and I mean, 2E itself is twice exceptional. Twice exceptional. So kind of yeah. gifted, brilliant kids, which I didn't know what 2E meant for the longest time. Uh, like, okay. Yeah, like I don't hear gifted, but you don't ever hear really 2E unless you're in the neurodivergent Yeah, world, that's true. You know, it's not a common saying. It's not a common. Okay, so yeah. you have one little one who is not the, little. How, not little. No. <laughs> he's, he's 20. He's almost 29. Oh, my so, gosh. Not little yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no. Okay. But he was little once. Yeah. So, <laughs> when, so, so when did you? Uh, yeah. I'm happy to share that. Great. Uh, um. When did you Should notice? I just yeah, this, when, what, jump in? Jump yeah, in. jump what's in. The, what is this diagnosis? Let's see. Well, his diagnosis right now is um, 2E, but also uh, there's an emotional component where he's got depression, anxiety, uh, ADHD. Uh, there's some learning difficulties. You know, there's some reading and writing. And, you know, when he was in school, he had like all the 
Lexia things. Yes. Dysgraphia. Dysgraphia. He had, I yeah. mean, he had the whole thing. And um, we didn't really identify that. And I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to, to say this because I do this for a living, but you know, we just thought he was quirky. Um, yep. <laughs> and, and, and when he was growing up, that was like, he was born in 94. So this is when um, t- the term 2E was just kind of yeah. you know, coming out. And not a lot of people knew what that was. Um, so it wasn't until later that he was actually diagnosed as, as 2E. Oh, okay. He, um, Real quick. Okay, so let's, yeah. before we, let's define 2E so that we yeah. can go okay. In your words, so, so, yeah, let us know. So, in, my head, yeah. like, in my head, there's gifted. Right, which right. means yes. you have like Mensa, like IQs and whatever. Right, but then yes. there's two E, which means twice exceptional. Right, which uh-huh. is kind of a gifted, as well as something else that kind of is not as positive, like an ADHD or like a like yeah. Yeah. some kind of learning disabilities or so, something there, and that's what makes it two yeah. E, right. Is that yeah yeah? Is so that the a, the okay. E part of two E is is exceptionality. So it could be on any side of that bell curve. So it could be on the high end, which is where the giftedness is. Okay. Um, you know, that they, the, a lot of these kids score in the, uh, you know, intelligence tests um, and whatnot um, on the, on the high end, the superior or the highly superior range. Yep. And then they also test uh, on the other side of the bell curve, which is below expected or average um things like attention and reading ability and and because there's such a huge discrepancy between the two um they've identified them as 2e i i think that's a little bit of a misnomer because i've never met a 2e kid that was only two exceptionalities it's yeah. usually like a, a cluster yeah yeah it is yeah it, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah 19e yeah it's a lot 2e plus plus um, plus yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and and actually you know when when you do when you're in that gifted range i i think that almost almost automatically puts you into the exceptional the almost the 2e category because i don't know of any extremely bright people who have not had any other stuff because one of the things that's really um strange about this two two e category is that we had to actually create it because um a lot of people feel like oh well you're gifted so you have everything right You, you know everything you can do everything but how many people have we known that have been absolutely brilliant but they couldn't find the door you know to walk out of the room yeah, uh, they didn't yeah. know what day of the week it was. They didn't know that they were supposed to put matching socks on. You know, so, you know, we, we've always had that, but I think we haven't really um, owned it until we came up with this 2E um, designation. And now it's it's actually something that people still don't know about, but but is becoming much more part of our, our vocabulary. Um and so, you know, when my son was growing up, um, you know, we had ADHD, we had dys- dyslexia, we had all of these other things. But um, the thing that was really hard about his diagnosis is he's very bright. So yeah. we're thinking, OK, so what is this that he's like not 
doing what he's supposed to be doing in school. And the teachers are going, you know, he's got all this other behavior, this avoidance behavior, and he's so bright. What What's going on? And yeah. so they were looking at us as the parents, yep. like, it's, is it your fault? Are you like spoiling yeah. him? Yes. Are you, yep. are you totally like permissive? Yeah. What are you doing yeah. Yeah. Uh, to this poor kid that he can't do anything? Mm-hmm. And, and what we discovered is he really, it was not a won't even though it looks on the outside as a won't, it was a can't. Yeah. He really couldn't write, even though verbally, oh my gosh, he could tell you, he was like, his nickname at school was Mr. Encyclopedia. Yeah. (laughs) All the kids called him that and the teachers too sometimes. And, and he understood from a very little age, um, things like sarcasm and things like puns and things, you know, he was talking in complete sentences by the age of 18 months, just about, you know, so, so we had, we had all this information and, and you guys have to understand, I, I do this for a living. And I didn't know. <laughs> so, so when I when I meet parents and they say, yeah. well, we didn't know, I, I tell them that, you know, I tell them, I didn't know. It's your, you know, you just sort of adjust yep. to your kid. Yep. And then until somebody in the outside world, which happened to be my son's second grade teacher, said, Deborah, I think you need to get them tested. <laughs> yes. I said, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, I'm like, oh, Okay. And I sheepishly, you know, signed him up for testing. But all I tested him for was ADHD because at the time, yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, he had he had problems focusing. So I thought, oh, okay, we'll figure out, you know, what that is. Came back, yes, he had ADHD. Okay, wasn't until fifth grade, yeah, that he, we actually did a full neuropsych evaluation, and the psychologist said to me, um, "Well, Deborah." Uh, he's, he's got Asperger's. And I went, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, oh. And then all of a sudden it's like the penny dropped and it's like, oh, I, okay. All this stuff made sense. Yep. You know, he had a lot of mood swings. He was sensory stuff. There was all kinds of sensory stuff, but you know, fifth grade. So that is um, exactly know, Jojo's story. Did you know that? No. She, that is exactly th- the trajectory of Jojo. Yeah. Second grade, her, she had a yeah. wonderful second grade teacher. He mm-hmm. interjected and said, pulled me aside and said, I love her. She's amazing, but I think she has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And we got her tested and they just said, she's a very highly intelligent child that just can't sit still. Right. And then it wasn't until yep. fifth grade where she was in full meltdown mode that we got yes. a full neuropsych. Yep. And in fifth yep. grade, they were like, she is autistic and highly gifted mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. ADHD and has mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. learning issues. So it's exactly it's, the same. That's fascinating. It's the, clu- it's the cluster it's thing. It's the cluster. <laughs> but it's interesting yeah. to me because it's hard to identify. Like that teacher, was a, he was an exceptional teacher. And he was like, I don't yeah. know what's going on with her. But and all he could think of was ADHD in his mind. You know what I mean? Well, like that, and and. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad, you know, the term 2E is starting to to take hold a little bit more because then, because really what this is, it's more complex than just one thing. Yeah. The interaction of all these different needs that these kids have. And it's no wonder they melt down by, you know, a certain age. They just lose it because it's so hard for them. Yeah. 
they and they don't have the experience or the language yet to tell us what's going on. All they can say is, no, I'm not doing that. That's right. You know, I kicking and screaming. I, I, and it usually followed a pattern. Usually he was okay at the beginning of the school year. You know, he'd had this whole summer to kind of recover. And then by Christmas time, it was kind of iffy. And definitely by spring, he was like, I am (laughs) not going to school. I am just not going. Yes. Yes. Kicking and screaming. And and I'm like, well, that's why Jojo, I think Joe, I was just saying that Jojo is, you know, we get back from winter break and she's in, she's like in Jackson, she, she is a child that has FASD, fetal alcohol syndrome, which is like a cluster too. And yeah. Jojo is, is just so tough right now. And it's almost like they've wrote it out and they're just like, I've done it. I've yeah. done it. I've done it. And now I'm like, and they're on the back end of it. And it's like almost yeah. too much. Well, I, and, can't imagine, else- I can't imagine these kids. Like, I feel like they feed on each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they're brilliant, but they can't communicate what they want to say. So that creates the frustration and the mood, but then they have the ADHD that has the regulation skills not to be able to do yeah. it. So then they have the yeah. cortisol build up, which then gets yeah. their anxiety. That, you know, yep. It just like builds yeah. in cycles and like it layers. It does. Really it does. It does. Hard. It's really and hard. The other thing that we have to always keep in mind too, is that the first part of the year, the teachers are kind of setting everything up to kind of lead into this chunk of time right after break where they really hit the curriculum. Really? Yeah. And then oh, yeah. they, then they yeah. ease off. So then, yep. yeah, because that is you, what happens. You have, yeah. to get your, you have to get your kids sort of organized and yep. get their skills kind of running and up and running. It's like a machine. And then they take a break for Christmas and the holidays. And then they say, okay, now, from about January through April, May, that's when we really hit the curriculum and then we wind down for summer. Yep. So this is where we see a lot yep. of meltdowns Yep. because the kids have made it to there and then they get a two week break, sometimes three, um, and they are able to kind of recover. But then when they have to go back and hit the curriculum as hard as they are expected to, and this happens across all um, grade levels. The expectations so, is higher, which they don't have the, yes. the endurance for. And then that's right. Cause you're in, yeah, uh-huh. you're in second semester. Yeah. So second yeah. semester. Yeah. And so then, um, that's why we see a lot of these kids totally lose it by the end. And plus they're tired. They're tired. They're exhausted they're because exhausted. they're holding themselves together with sensory overload, with demands that are you know way beyond some sometimes what they can actually do um so a a lot of what happens is the kids kind of just start disappearing from or or not doing it very quietly like my kid (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so yeah it's it's tricky so how did you that was so long ago so they actually gave yeah they said he had Asperger's. Uh, yes. Did they say he had 2E or did that come later? Did you figure At that, that time, out later? There, there really wasn't a 2E diagnosis. So that was yeah. probably early to, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and so um, I kind of figured that part out. I think on my own, I did a lot of reading and, you know, I do this because um, part of my fascination with working with these kids and I happen to 
get one of my own. <laughs> Lucky me um, at home You're to live with. <laughs> yeah. Um, is I just had a, a huge desire to figure out what the heck's going on with this. Right. So uh, I did. I, I read. I I educated myself and then I came across this to eat stuff and I went, whoa, this is, this is, this is kind of what it is. And also I, um, when I first did my student teaching way back right after call college, um, I was placed in a highly gifted class of fifth and sixth graders. Okay. And, um, my experience with that fabulous teacher, um, was that, these are kids that have more than just a need to be intellectually stimulated. A yeah. lot of them had high anxiety. They yep. had a lot of, um, you know, issues uh, about, you know, not being able to do certain things. They were, there was a perfectionist kind of thing that happens yep. with all of them. Yep. Oh my God. And, yeah. and, and, you know, because they're so bright, they can anticipate things. They can put, you know, the pieces together, but they don't have the emotional um, wherewithal yet to handle some of this information. So even though they comprehend it, they don't have the experience, the life experience to really understand, you know, what that means. So then that kind of translates into anxiety. And I saw that with my own, my own son. And I went, Oh, I've seen this before. Um, So it's the, so you have this sort of a a lot of the things with the giftedness, which I, I think is kind of classic to E. I do too. I do too. I think the majority of kids that are gifted are to E. Like I just, I honestly think that the the new, I mean, I think it's interesting because the Asperger's diagnosis, they don't use it anymore. Right. But the Asperger's diagnosis was the old to E diagnosis. Right. Because Mm -hmm. They categorize Asperger's right. as kids on the spectrum who are highly intelligent, right? Right. And so that's and highly functional, and highly functional and verbal yeah. and everything like that. So that's yeah. kind of morphed yeah. in the 2E. And yeah. then I I really believe the next iteration, which hopefully we can help propel, is that yes. I think all gifted kids are 2E. Yes. And I've seen it like Jeff, yeah. my oldest son is 2E and he's only been diagnosed well, he is two E because he's gifted and, and now he's been diagnosed with ADHD. So he is two E, yeah. but he was only diagnosed, yeah. he was only identified younger and he's in high school now as gifted. But we yeah. always knew there was all this yeah. other stuff that yeah. was going on with him, you know? Yeah. And, um, and yeah. Well, I feel like it feeds and off of each other again, you know? Like it if does. I, I, in my head, I am not gifted. I'm not stupid, but I am not gifted, right? <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, to be, to be always. Like almost like a sensory overload, but on an intellectual levels when I'm thinking to always be analytical and like planning and thinking and analyzing and all that stuff and yeah. not being able to, as especially as a kid, which you're too e yeah. and brilliant. You're always brilliant. It's not like, you know, you hit your head and then become brilliant. Right. Right. So like as a kid, like how do you filter that? Like, how do you do all that? Which would, I would think would create the anxiety or which would create the sensory issues because it's like if your brain's already overloaded then the sensory gets over you know like I yeah, feel like yeah. it all created together like there's no separation yeah. to it all yeah no there isn't there's any no separation, separation. and yep. what I like more that I think it's starting to morph into is neurodiversity because yep. you by definition gifted is neurodiverse it is yeah it absolutely is by definition 
You know, you're on, if you think of the bell curve, all our kids are on either end or both of that bell curve. Yeah. We're not, none of our kids are in the middle where the average, wherever that is, whatever that is, you know, I think all of us as human beings are neurodiverse. I mean, there are no two of us alike. So, um, you know, the way that our schools are set up, it is uh, built on the, on the understanding that we're all alike. Yeah. is not it's working. not working. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I think is- you. It, I think too the the, and we'll get into this too. Is and I and yeah. I know with JoJo and I know with your son and with Jet looking at Jet now because Jet's in high school. Is that it's it's almost like a curse because he is so intelligent that right. the expectations put on exactly. him are uh-huh. just well, why aren't you doing that as a mom I do the same thing to him why are you doing yeah. that that is easier yeah. for you than the majority of the people in the world so they yeah. have another layer of expectations put on them by society and academia and yes. parents yes that they need to perform at a higher level in reality right. in the constructs of the way school is set up now it's yes. very difficult for them to perform at a high level because it's not schools aren't set up for these Mm-mm. kids. And that's why, no. you know, when I worked in tech, I worked in technology for like 11 years. Everyone in technology that was ahead of everything was 2E. Everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And most of them, Bill Gates, you know, Steve Jobs used to go to, uh, he used to go to school and study calligraphy for college. That's what he studied in college because he just couldn't wrap his head around anything else. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. The, and And I think, I think we do these kids a disservice by expecting that they're going to, because they're good in something that they're good in all things. Um, I think that that's really hard on them. Um, it's, it, it is a lot of pressure and, and I, I always fault um, gifted programs with, okay, so how are you supporting their other needs? Yeah. And they're like, what other needs? It's like, you know, because some, a lot of times the two E kids, they either are in a gifted program or in special ed. There's nothing that does yes. both. Yep. Um, and, and that was the frustration that I know a lot of parents have that, that they can't get all of their kids needs met in one place. Um, the only exception that I know of, is Bridges Academy, which is built for kids like this, which my son actually attended since uh, between sixth grade and, and he graduated uh, oh, from wow. high school. Okay. There. That's in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. That's in, that's in Studio City here uh-huh. in California. Yeah. Okay. I want to um, uh, take a moment and backtrack real fast before I forget. Sure. Um, you should not feel guilty or like anything about not realizing that your kid was this yes. way. Yes, I know. Being trauma informed, I always think yes. the trauma lens, and then some of my friends are like, "Dude, that's just a kid," you know. Like I can imagine you the whole time going, "Well, maybe, well, maybe," but you're so used to that lens that it's like you kind of dismissed yourself and gaslighted your own yeah. self to it. All. Exactly, um, exactly, and yeah, and and I do I do tell parents that you know I've gotten over you know beating myself up for that Good. but at the same time at the same time i think we all do that to some extent why didn't i know oh, and so sure. that's that's the message that i really like to tell parents is that well you know now so and you're doing what you can now and that's the important thing because um there is a, a, a trauma piece to this for parents as well 
that we have to process. And, and it's kind of when we're ready, because a lot of times, you know, parents need to process this stuff too. Um, so yeah, I on. agree. You know, hold on one sec. She's yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, someone's trying to get in here. Yeah, we don't know. Oh, someone's okay. trying to break in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I think with the, oh, there's so much. Yeah. I mean, I was 2E. And so the expectation on me, but I put it it's on huge. myself, you know. Right. Just, just right. To say, like, it's just my dog. It's just your dog. dog. I know. I thought the dog loves us. Okay. Wait. Start back. What you're About, I, but I think, I think the trauma component mm-hmm. is really important to talk about with the parents. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. You know, that's another reason why we're doing this podcast is because mm-hmm. we all sit in our own silos or bedrooms and bathrooms and yeah. call our eyes out. Right. And as right. parents, we're traumatized and we're yes. grieving. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's absolutely. And it's hard for the outside world uh, to understand all of that and for us to yeah. understand it. Oh, yeah. Because there's so much judgment that other parents have. When they see your kids behaving the way they do, um, yes, and I think a lot of a lot of what I ended up doing is telling parents, you know, I'm a really good parent. In fact, I'm probably an uber parent, and and this is what is showing up. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's not because I'm not parenting. I mean, I think some of the most hurtful things in my my parenting life have been other parents telling me. God, you know, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> or intimating that, you know? Yeah. Um, and or teachers or uh-huh. administrations. Uh-huh. Any kind of professional. Or even, or, or family members or, too. Oh yeah. Uh, the family member Because they look at your kid. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're seeing so. me as a twelve year old trying to raise a neurodivergent kid, and I'm like, I'm not twelve anymore. Like I'm an adult. <laughs> like you can think of me as someone who's responsible and successful, not this kid who was a brat. Sorry. But I, I, I have a little bit processing it no (laughs) no No, but i I know i think oh yeah i think that there's so much about it and i think um but that and that was one of the things you know with the 2e2 is i really want to talk about a lot of the misconceptions so that people that are listening if they come upon a family that has a 2e child or sees a 2e child they will understand really what's going on behind the scenes because like you said yeah people think you're being a permissive parent Right. Like, why can't, I mean, my husband's yeah. family is British. And so with Jojo, they'd be like, she just needs a good sit down and a good talking to, and you're not right. strict enough with her. And, you know, right. and right. they don't understand the whole component of that. Or they, nope. or like, you know, they think the school thinks they're being rude or mm-hmm. just disobedient. And, and, mm-hmm. and what's yeah. all that about? The so, won't versus can't. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Talk to us about yeah. that. Cause that's huge. Yeah. Because when you're battling with opposition and avoidance behavior and anxiety, you have to approach it differently than a person who's just saying, nope, I, I ain't doing that. You know, uh, it, it is different. And it looks like, um, you know, from the outside, for people who don't know, it looks like the parent is kind of kowtowing to, okay, do you want to do it this way? Do you want to do it that way? But what we're doing is we're trying to give them options to try and kind of, you know, guide them as much as possible down a path 
that they don't want to go, um, but need to, you know, and we're not talking about choice things, things like safety and yep. <laughs> um, yeah. things like, you know, you got to get in the car to go to school. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the things that uh, for my kid, it was like getting dressed yep. in the morning, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. I dressed and, and a 12 so, year old this morning because she wouldn't, uh, yeah, it's, it's, she's 12 years old. And I'm like, I, I'm going to yeah, dress you because yeah. you just won't get out of being dressed. So here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it and they don't realize that we're doing this this Uber level of parenting behind the scenes and and to get our kids wherever they need to go in life. And um and then when they say something like, Oh, you just need to show them who's boss, which is what my <laughs> my dear brother said to me one day and I kind of just uh, I just burst into tears Aww, <laughs> because so here I because you're spending, spending so much of your energy figuring it out figuring out what the heck to do with these kids and then to have somebody you you love dearly say to you you're not doing it right you know you just have to do it this way and it's like yeah, think I haven't tried Try that. that. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, I, I was one of those parents that read every parenting book and I'm like, yep. okay, that one won't work. You know, and I tried them a, a lot of yep. them, you know, and the only thing for me that worked was helping my kid to regulate and then not getting into it when he was full blown meltdown because his brain was so in a place where he could not process anything that I, you know, there, if I talked to him about anything, he would have just not heard it. Okay. On a so, practical part. So you're saying, yeah. okay, so not getting into it when he's dysregulated, right? Like Dan right. Siegel says your lid's flipped, you're in primal mode. There's no reasoning. Exactly. Like all of that's out the window. Right. What do you do though? Like, this is where I feel like I, yeah. because I just, okay. Jackson, I kind of just like sit there and be with him. And yep. then I'm supposed to go back when he's regulated and we're with the twins when they can come. Yeah. You know, come, like, yeah. And go, yeah. go back later and be like, Hey, yeah. let's do this differently, which I never do. Right. <laughs> so I'm like life. Yeah. Well, you're exhausted. Like, yeah. By the time we're yeah. home, I'm over it too. Yeah. And I have to move on. So like what, I know. can you like walk through some practical steps of that? Like yeah. not, and when you don't get yeah. into it when they're dysregulated, right? Right. Then you know, like what? When he was little, and it depends on the age, because, you know, you're not going to tell a teenager, go sit in the corner <laughs> or, or, you know, go um, to your room. yeah, but you, what you want to do is in the calm moment somewhere along the line, it's, and this will be really important for you to carve out time to do. Okay. You want to come up with some strategies and you can do, you can start with just watching the kids. What do they do to calm themselves? Um, you know, I know some kids, they're animals. You know, they have loved cats, beloved yes. cats or dogs. Oh, yeah. Contact with the animals is crucial for them. So watch your kid to find out where they go. Where do they gravitate to to calm themselves? Some of them draw. Some of them listen to music. Some of them, you know, th there are things that they've already naturally gravitated to. So utilize those as calming tools. When they're and dysregulated. When they're dysregulated. Right. But you don't want to talk to them about that when they're regulated. So in a calm moment, say, hey, I noticed that when you get kind of upset, you go and pet the dog. 
Great. So, so maybe start formulating a, a list, a go-to list of things. You don't have, maybe, I don't know, you post it somewhere, but the thing is, is that you can't, you can't have them um, de-escalate once they're already escalated in terms of, you know, now go do you use your tool. It's got to be on the front end. So when, as they're starting to escalate, they have to be able to understand, oh, this is now a time for me to be using a tool, not when they're way up here. Right. When they're way up here, they need us to help them co-regulate. That's what and I'm doing so, wrong. Okay. So we have to we have to figure out, okay, how do I just hold this space yep. for them and let them flail if they need to and let them throw stuff and break things. Uh, you know, my kid was a thrower and breaker and boomer um, when mm, he got really out of control. Yeah, that's Jackson. Um, yeah. I've yeah. got holes in the walls. I've got, yep. you know, he, does, he, he, he was brutal to our house. Yeah. Um, uh, gentle as soul, but when he was dysregulated, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, couldn't, yeah. couldn't handle it. So you just have to try and contain. So then that means... We have to be calm. We have even to be calm. I know. Heart okay. is racing, even oh, though I know you want to just kill your kid because they're ruining whatever. Um, or you have to be somewhere and you can't because they're melting down. You've got to put all that aside and just say, "Okay, I'm here. I know you're having a really hard time right now. I'm here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna help you." calm down. Now, a lot of times when they're older, they don't want that. So then you invite them to be somewhere else, go in, and that's where, you know, they have to start being able to calm themselves. But until they can do that, sometimes just being in the same room with them in a calm state, using a calm, slow voice, because remember, a lot of these kids cannot process quickly. And I don't know about you guys, but most of us cannot process anything when we're elevated like that. Yeah. So when we're in the middle of a panic attack, nothing goes in. So we have to remember nothing is going in. Yeah. You know, not what are you thinking? Because <laughs> they're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so so we have so voice. So and no hard. Wo- and very little words. Yep. Yeah, so no, that if you can I do like those two too, things, so that's hard. Yeah, yes. I have to shut myself If you up. can do those two things and just communicate that you understand them and you're present. Those two things. And do that by by being right there with them. So you we can't be thinking, oh, but I've got to do this and that and this and that, you know. So because you know, we're, we're racing too, because what we have to do is come down so that they match us where we are. They don't know how to do that for themselves yet. So we have to do that f- with them. So it's so hard. Though. It's it, exhausting. It is, oh my God. Really it's hard. triggering. Yeah, it is it's so exhausting. I've been doing it for so long. Like, I know. We're, but we're then part sometimes, of the shortage, yeah. right? So He's right. been on a different level right. for the last two days. But so by Sunday right. night, it's like, I did so well. And then I just lose it. And then I'm like, well, there goes I all know. the hard work I just did. I, d- I know. everyone no, has a breaking point. I know. Yes. And know. so what you do then, no, we have to anticipate that we're not going to be perfect. What? That's the other thing. We're we can't not? be perfect. <laughs> Wait, no, hold we on. Be Time perfect. out. I'm not perfect. 
perfect? I'm not supposed to be perfect? I thought oh, we, no, my- we are going to have to anticipate that only about 30% of the time oh. are we going to be able to do this. 30%? 30%. Yeah. I so was happy that I was doing, like, oh, my, oh my I'm doing amazing. Okay. I am an Uber parent because I'm doing more no, than No, you 30%. are. You are an Uber parent. I'm only you are. So, to be 30 per- oh, my well, gosh. And it, and it, amazing. It's amazing because with Joe, I just, she's been on fire lately, so she won't go to sleep. And so mm. last night I was like, knock yourself out, girl. I'm going to bed. Do whatever you need yeah. to do. And I heard her up there, like, making hot chocolate, blah, 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 blah. And then she was a just a pistol whip to get up this morning. And I just, I, I was like, you know, I did, I wasn't perfect this morning and I wasn't holding it in because I had, she had to go to school and I had to get her sister to school, blah, blah. But at least when yep. I dropped her off, I said to her, Joe, I'm sorry. I was mean yep. mommy this morning. It wasn't appropriate. Yep. I know you're having a hard time, but I have a hard time too sometimes. And she's so smart. And she was like, yes, I get it, mom. Thank you. I love you. And that, that is a perfect example of the repair that we do. Yes. So we yeah. have to get good at repairing. Yes. That's the important thing. That is. Because it's not not making the mistakes because we're going to do it yep. two thirds of the time, if not more. Um, so we have to get really good at making those repairs. I always. Because I, it's going to happen. I tease Chris. I was like, well. They're going to know how to forgive people because I got to forget. I got to ask for forgiveness again. I know. I know. How to repair because I, call, I just screwed up again. Right. I like, call it the mean, I'm like, I'm sorry mean mom came out. I call it ugly mama. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, like, ugly mama came. I'm just I'm sorry. Yes. I just yeah. didn't have the patience. I had a meeting. But that's, you know. But that's a real real thing because there's going to be people that in their lives that get annoyed at them with their behavior. They have to learn how to deal with that. And then they have to repair. See, you're modeling for them. When they have yes. to say, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Because they will start saying, I'm sorry to you because okay. they have had that modeled. Yes. I always make yeah. sure to tell them, even if sometimes I even scream it when I'm really angry. I'm like, I still love you. <laughs> like, I, like, I love you. Even though I'm angry, I still love you. No matter what you do, I love you. Okay. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And they know, and I think they do understand they know. all this. They yeah. do. They we wouldn't be hanging in there with us if we with them if 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 we didn't love them. I know. You know yeah. They know they know that, and and it may not come back until they're much older. Because see, now my son is almost twenty nine, and and he will say bring stuff up to me that I said years ago because of course they remember everything. Everything. Um, but to like and, put their dirty clothes in the hamper. Or exactly. Like the yeah. Oh yeah, no, not that stuff. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, they don't remember any of that, but. But they remember what you tell them, and and he reflects things back to me that I know I said years ago, and I'm thinking, oh, he actually heard that. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea. I, I mean, I thought it went, you know, water off a duck. But he, he was, he held that. And so I'm hearing back now, which is like, it, it does my heart <laughs> good. Like, okay, so a lot of that effort, that <laughs> back-breaking effort, was not wasted <laughs> because he did hear it. Yeah, that's so, good to know. That is no, and I. Yeah. It's funny because with Joe, I'm already seeing that return with her. Like yeah. she and I are very connected, yeah. and she she will say like it's the same thing. Like she'll th- say things back to me that I've said about apologize. You know, so I'm. She's already. Yeah. I'm already seeing that feedback loop with her, but it. 
It's a lot of work. It just sucks it's that you don't lot really work. know how you did until they're like 40. Like, you know? Yeah, like it's yeah like it's I don't really, even. Yeah, I it's really tough. You know? Like, I want to just know tough. if I'm it's doing very it tough. right or well. Or I, I don't think you can ever know that. I mean, I think, no. like, I grew up with, you know, imperfect. Everyone grew up with an imperfect family. But you just, all I think about is you're just doing the best. As long as you're loving them as best as you yeah. can and showing yep. up for them, which we talk about a lot. Showing up yep. is showing up. Yeah. That's all you can yeah. do. And I, we're not yeah. perfect. I mean, we no. had that conversation with Jet Matthew on the other night because he was saying, you guys, and I said, I'm a human being. I am not perfect. Yeah. I have my challenges. I think that's my yeah. biggest issue you, with parenting is that I feel like sometimes we expect these kids to be perfect when in reality, like we can't even, we can't no. even be perfect. I just told we no. can't even regulate ago, ourselves. I was like, do you yeah. totally lost it on her and you're expecting her to be, like be respectful back. Like, yeah. How is that possible? Like you lost it. Of course yeah. she's going to lose it. Like you're not even doing what you're asking her to or do just at do. 12. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like it's, I feel we, like we, yeah. And we have to remember, you know, these are kids that are neurodiverse. So their brains don't even work the way most of their peers brains work. So we can't really hold them to the same standards. Standards. Okay, that's my other question. Maybe you have an answer to this. We're, I'm just, this is like my yeah. therapy session here. Okay. <laughs> how do you, like, how do you figure out the line between enabling them because they have a disability, but also mm-hmm. scaffolding them or like yeah. giving them grace because they have the, this it's disability. A really do you know what thing. I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yes. I feel like it's so hard that sometimes my husband it thinks is. that I'm disabling, but in reality, I'm like, well, I feel like I'm scaffolding. Yeah. But then I also use that as an excuse when I'm, but I'm yeah. like, well, is this an excuse? Like, it's it's really hard. And um, Dr. Tina Bryson, who who wrote, uh, co-authored with Dan Siegel, a lot of the, the whole brain child and a lot of that series. Oh, that's my favorite. No drama discipline. She, yeah. Yes, no brain, drama discipline. All of those. Yeah. She calls this um, cushion or pushing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when do you cushion them? That's the scaffolding. And when do you push them? And part of that has to do with developing their window of tolerance. So really, that's our job as parents, I I believe, is that we need to be aware of where their window of tolerance is. And a lot of our kids is just really narrow. I kind of visualize it as, you know, that transom above <laughs> above the doors. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really yes, yes. Skinny, skinny window. Okay. Yeah. But we want we want a picture window where we don't have that right now. So um what we want to do is is help them. To do whatever it takes to just open that up a little bit. And sometimes it does need to be scaffolded first before they can, they can do that. So I can't, there's no hard and fast answer, which is why Ugh. it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us because we want, okay, do this, follow these steps. Yeah. And, and it doesn't work that way to be really realistic about it. Um, we have to know our kids pretty well. We have to know about where their tolerance is going to drop off and where they're going to lose it and not push them past that. But if we do, again, we we repair. Yeah. So it's not like we have to be perfect with this. Um, we're going to make mistakes in here. I made plenty of mistakes with my own kid. I mean, I, if I look back, I was like, hey, <laughs> it's a wonder that we all survived. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I think that if we can, um, and so part of it, what it boils down to is really being present with your child and sort of seeing, okay, what is it that they're struggling with in this moment? 
and then addressing that directly. I know it takes a lot. Uh, it takes out a of lot us. of brain power. It does. It a does. lot of brain power. It is exhausting. It does. It is exhausting. And so on the other hand, because we're doing all of this and, and our kids kind of demand that of us, yeah. we have to be as parents really good at, at, um, I don't like the term self-care. It just, oh, me too. I don't like it either. I like people think, I, I feel like we someone have, wants me to like go get my t- nose, my tails, my tails, my tails, <laughs> my toes. <laughs> my toes. <laughs> I, it's so funny because I hate that term too. I have a real problem too. with it. A new I'm one like, then. yeah, what, we need something well, else. I, I just say, you know, you have to find sources of restoration. Oh, I like that. Restore. You have to okay. restore yourself. Restore. restore. So whatever that yes. takes. Yes. Yeah. Because it sort of, I always feel guilty when I don't do it because I'm supposed to do this and anything with self in it, I don't know, for some reason it, eh. So I just picture you like wanting to be in a spot and I'm like, that's not going to be relaxing. That doesn't, you know? well, I mean, I that's not helping no. me restore myself. Well, yeah. and we're, yeah, no. we do this every single day. So just taking one day isn't going to no. actually no, it's, it's, it's almost, do anything, you know? like It's I, almost an everyday. I mean, I just. You have to do it. You have to do it all the time. And I think, I think about it as, is. In, in the sense of boundaries, like not in a negative mm-hmm. way, but I, at some mm-hmm. point I just have to say, this is, I, I'm, you know, I'm tapping out, you know, I need to go yeah. for a long walk yes. with my dog yes, by myself yep. and I need a boundary. I can't serve anyone anymore right now. Right. Like I can't be of service yeah. right now. I got to be of service yeah. I, I yeah. to like no I have one. to have a turnoff time. So like yeah. by the time okay. it's 730. Yeah, you're like, done. I'm done. And I will sit on the couch with the kids and do my crocheting and doing what I want to do or my puzzle or whatever. Exactly. It's like, I'm done. Like I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Obviously if the kids need something, but like, right. I'm just right. being there, sitting there with them in the same room. Yeah. I'm doing my thing. Like, yeah. It makes- yeah. It's very and difficult. Any, anywhere yeah. you can carve out something for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I love, I love that you're doing something that you want, but you're still present with your kids. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that you is know, because good. you can yeah. kind of you can kind of do both things at the same time and 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 still be present with with the kids. Um, but you're doing something mindful for you. And I you learned know, that I because love- Chris, he's he's OK if I'm just in the room and I'm like the one yeah. who wants like good quality time. And he's yeah. just like, I just need you to be there. And I'm yeah. Like, oh, so now I'm just I'm just there. And so if they need me. They'll say yeah. something and they'll come back. Yeah. And and actually what you're doing, if you want to think about it brain brain science wise is that because you're doing something meditative your your calming energy is in the room with them oh that's good yeah that's really good i need to do that because what happens yeah. is that whoever has the calmest yeah kind of, uh vibe if you will <laughs> um in the room is is going to be the one that people sort of entrain to um and so it's, I mean, it sounds a little woo-woo, I know, but um, if you think about it, somebody that enters a room with a calm manner and, you know, think about, you know, Uber people like the Dalai Lama. Yeah. When when they enter a room and when, when Thich Nhat Hanh was alive, when he entered a room, it's like there was a hush that came over you know not that we're the dalai lama but uh, you know we're gonna we're, we can do that by doing something for ourselves at the same time that is calming for us and um you know learning to 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 do that 
that self-calming is really, really helpful. That's why I started getting into the forest bathing because um, it's something that I've done personally for myself. I just sit in the woods. <laughs> that is my thing. Yeah. And, it's um, called forest. I was thinking you were bathing forest in bathing. the forest. No. <laughs> I was yeah, like, no, uh, but no, that bathing in nature, bathing and, in and nature. All the, yeah. All the quiet and the solitude and the smells. You know, things. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, I love. I yeah. know nature is my like well, hiking. Jackson's a totally different kid when he's outside. They all like, are. Yes, they nature. all are. Like it's just, and I was reading mm-hmm. about it's, it, the science about it, and like, yep, not to get like, but like, I believe in God, so God's like created it so it's not busy. You know, like it's calming. Exactly. Like, it's not yeah. Like, it but is. then you go into the city and it's busy and like mm-hmm. the lines and everything, and it's, so it's like it's jarring. It's very yeah. jarring. And so when he's in Our, nature, yeah. he's just like. Like he's calmer. He likes walking through the woods. We, he likes we, going to the yeah. beach. And- yep. Yeah. We evolved outdoors. We evolved outdoors. <laughs> and and so colors like green um, are calming to us naturally. Um, the quiet is calming to us. So think about all the things in nature that are just there. Um, the the smells, the the everything is is um designed actually to calm us and then um what they're finding in in the forest is that all the plants are producing um things called phytoncides which are their natural like bug repellent of, for the plants uh-huh. um but when we inhale those um uh, phytoncides um it boosts our immune system. Huh. So there, there are reasons that forest bathing or just being out in nature helps us to calm ourselves. I mean, it actually, yeah. is, there's a, they studied yeah. all of this, um, that it brings your, all your levels of stress down. Yep. So cortisol levels drop, your heart rate drops, your breathing, yep. rate, breathing rate drops, all of that. Yeah. So it's amazing. I know it's amazing. I think from, from, a um, just to shift gears too. that was one of the diagnoses. No, one of the, when Jojo was diagnosed, that was one of her treatments was she needs to be out in nature every day Mm -hmm. for an Mm -hmm. hour, like, which I thought was interesting. And that's like, for my ADHD, my psychiatrist, like you have to do vigorous exercise every day. That's as important as taking your ADHD medication. It's equally yep. as important, honestly. Yep. Um, yep. But, and he's like an outside, not inside yes. in a gym. Yes. Outside. Yes. It has to be outside. Which is fascinating to me. Um, yeah. But going back to these two E-kids, because I know yeah. it's been interesting to me for you, to for me to watch you with JoJo. Tell mm-hmm. us what is going on in their brain when they're at school, like remember we were talking about, and they're trying to input and output. Because I think one of the big things with 2E is how they input and then especially how they output. So, yeah. so yeah. people can understand what that feels like. Because for me, it was very helpful for me to be have a lot more um, empathy for JoJo in watching her. Yeah. At school. Um, a lot of times, and, and again, Every 2E person is different, but I can kind of talk to a kind of a general profile because usually um, 
there's an area within their intelligence that's that's in the superior range. So it could be verbally. So they understand things very quickly um, that is given to them, you know, information that's given verbally. They understand that. And then, of course, as you get older, you're asked at school to write about that. Yep. So that's an output. Yep. So you have to take in something that you've you've processed very quickly. You get and then to put it out in writing. It's a whole different process. So if you have things like slower processing speed compared to that superior verbal ability. Yes, I, I think that's could the big be, thing. It could be the average yep. range. But because you're so high up in the sky with with your ability to verbally comprehend things, yeah, an average writing ability doesn't cut it. It's not fast enough. It's not. It's yep. not precise enough. And they know it, yeah. so that ho- they're looking at them themselves not being able to write, and it freezes them up. They like go, well, I can tell you about it up to wazoo, but I can't. As soon as you add that motor component of them having to motor it out on paper or even typing some of the kids, they, it just gets all gummed up. And so they feel that, um, that frustration intensely. So it's no wonder they avoid it. So they feel that frustration intensely. And, uh, you know, another characteristic of, of gifted kids is that they are highly sensitive, so when they feel something, they feel it. They don't just like, oh, you know, that's what that is. No, they, every cell in their bodies experiences this feeling. And so it's intense for them. So here they are in class, understanding most everything up to a very sophisticated degree. Then what they see that they output is like, I don't know, like whatever their grade level is. And it's like, Ugh, I don't, that's not what I want. I want to be up here and I can't do that. So then of course they shut down. This is, they don't want to, they don't want to produce something because another hallmark uh, characteristic is that perfectionism. I don't want to show anybody what I've done until it is perfect. Yeah. That's and a so huge piece. All of those things are p- at play when you see output problems. And some of these kids have really difficult fine motor. My my son had huge fine motor issues. So as you know, he was thinking in the second grade, he was thinking at a much higher level and he his writing did not even look like a preschooler. Hmm. And he saw that and he went, mm, "No way. Yeah. I'm not doing that." Yeah. And so he, you know, he didn't write until he learned how to keyboard. Um and then he's he started writing, and this was almost out of high school. Oh my so gosh. The, the, the lag in in them being able to match up those two disparate things are is huge. Um, and and you know one of the other hallmarks of two E kids is that that there's this huge discrepancy between a lot of their skill levels and their development. As a, as a result of this, you know, they call that asynchronous development. Um, and, and we have to remember that that creates a tremendous amount of chronic stress yes. for these kids. Yes. I think that's huge is, is that, and yeah. I, and I like being around Jojo and having you work with her is 
I think people really need to understand that, especially educators or parents or anyone, yeah. is that that huge discrepancy is a huge stress point for them and creates a it ton is. of it's anxiety. Huge. And yeah. they just get stuck there. And I think mm-hmm. um, with Jet, too, because he is, you know, when he got tested, he got tested in eighth grade. And it primarily was around ADHD, but he, but he, they were like, he's highly gifted. And she was saying, and the other problem is, is that he's, he just processes slower. So yeah, yeah. he had a math tutor and he's so creative and math and good at math. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he should be two, two grade levels above in math. And all his math teachers say the same thing. Why is Jed in this math class? Mm-hmm. And I said, because this is at the level he can process. But he's accepted mm-hmm. that himself, and we talk about it. Mm-hmm. So when you oh, go to wonderful. when you go to high school, they have to take it. They had to take a test to get into the high school. Like they had to take a placement test for math. I said, mm-hmm. "Don't study, kind of sandbag it," and and he knows why. And I said, "Just start yeah. at the lowest level." And and the teacher yeah. said to me, "We had a conference." He goes, "Why is Chet in this math class? He gets everything. He could actually. He's like can tutor these other kids." And I mm-hmm. said, "Because he, it's a." it's the differential between the processing. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and that's the other thing that I think is really great because he understands that you've had conversations about that. The more the kids understand about their learning style and their own, you know, specific ways that they learn, the better that is, because then they can, they can advocate for themselves. They can, they can figure out what it is they need. Um, and and do that um if they don't have that information it's like it's like kind of trying to figure this out blind you know so um always talking to them they may not like it but giving it a name sometimes is really helpful for these kids because then they can um you know it's not just oh i'm weird or i'm dumb or you know they'll fill in the blank otherwise what kind of wording do you use um, I often will share the diagnosis with them. Um, I'll, I'll also explain what that feels like. And I'll ask them, what does that feel like when you get stuck writing? You know, uh, or it looks like that this is where you get stuck, like when you're trying to organize the ideas or, you know, really a specific point and then open up a discussion about what 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 is hard about that or what don't you like about it and sometimes they can't verbalize it so you have to kind of get in there and help them narrate that for themselves um that's a lot of what i do in in the work that i'm doing with these kids is as i'm helping them to understand how they learn best and where their strengths are it's not just areas of weakness because if they know where their strengths are then they can utilize those as well you know, um, I think having a strength-based approach is really important because they have a lot of strengths Yeah, um, to e-kids. They absolutely do. And so you have to let them know what those are so they can leverage those and, and get them to work for them as much as possible. And, and really what you're teaching them is how do I compensate? Yeah. How do I, yep. how do I get around? What's my end around plan? Um, because if they start thinking that way, it's not, oh, I can't do that. So I'm not going to do that. It's it's more like, well, this is hard for me, but if I do it this way, it might be easier. I'm gonna try that. Yeah. It's a so, it's a way for them. Yeah. And I and I see you do that a lot with JoJo. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tricky thing about two e kids too, and I you know, 
I, I don't honest, honestly know how other parents handle it without having someone like you or school, like a way, you know, that's yeah. more progressive is a lot of times they can't even verbalize. They can't. Or identify yeah. no. where the point of frustration is. Yeah. And that's, you know, half the battle yeah. with these kids. And I know, right. like using JoJo as an example, that's the majority of the time spent with her is trying is to unravel yeah. where and why she's getting stuck in yeah. an educational setting because she yeah. doesn't know. No, they, they oftentimes don't know. they don't know. And, and the way that I approach that is um, I kind of see sort of generally where it looks like it might be. And then we just sort of gently probe. Um, and it's hard when it, you're a parent to do that. Um so because many I tried, oh yeah, I try. I tried that with my own kid, and he, you know, he basically said, "Don't try any of that educational therapy shit on me." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay then." Oh, <laughs> okay, making then. an appointment. Yeah, for that's what JoJo says. But yeah. I mean, JoJo says the same thing. But you know, Deborah's trying that. She's doing that stuff on me. She uses that language, and I'm like, mm, yeah. Well, they're yeah. so funny. The girls have caught on yeah. to me too. I'm like, we're just yeah. listening to this podcast. Let me guess, they're dyslexic. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I'm trying yeah. to like bring other uh, other yeah. avenues in. I know, you know, it's and you have so to pick hard. those times where they're receptive and when they're not. You know, we just avoid it when they're not. But again, I will say, now as an older young adult, my son comes back and says. Yeah, I don't think I was very regulated at that point. You know? <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, he was listening. So again, I will say that, you know, we if we're consistent and we do it in 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 the spirit of love and care, I think they do get it at some point. And and I, yes, it's very difficult because they can't verbalize it. And especially kids that one of their exceptionalities may be that they're on the spectrum. Yep. Um, yeah. That there's a language kids. piece. Yes. There's a language piece that we have to be aware of that sometimes what they think something means and what we think something means is really oh. like two different places the literal meanings I think. oh and my they gosh are, they can be so literal as bright so as literal. they are they are so literal and you like oh my when you find out what it is that they don't understand but it, it's like it floors me every time when when i figure this out with my own son it's like oh that's the part you got stuck on hey <laughs> you know so we you know, we kind of figured this out, but you do it by, by just sort of hanging in there with them. It's um, like, a, it's like, I say, it, I call it riding the bull. I'm like, you get yeah. on the back of the bull and you yeah. ride the bull and you That's just right. keep riding the bull and you're going to get thrown That's off right. and then you get yeah. up and you ride the bull again. And it's Dust just yourself off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it it's yeah. just, it's really, it's really tough. I feel it's like if I had ride. a two E kid, I would constantly having to readjust my expectations. You are like yes. constantly because and there's that bril- yeah. because of society is like that brilliancy. Well, then you should know yeah. this. Oh wait, no, no, you shouldn't. You know, like there's yeah. It's a I would constantly be going, wait, Patty, like readjust, 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 because uh-huh. it would be hard to know that they're yeah. so brilliant, but then this is something. You, you know? yes, and yeah. I think um, I want to ask one more. I want to ask another question. About I have a question too. I want to ask a question about schooling, but then I want to talk about society in general. So you, 
work, tell us like when you're working with the schools, cause you integrate with the schools, what mm-hmm. is the best way to speak to their, to their educators? And what do you find? That's one question. Cause I know you go in in situations yeah. like that so yeah. that parents can hear yeah, that that's and one. educators can hear that if they're listening. Especially cause we need to figure out our priorities. Like right. as parents of like, like the school isn't perfect as well. The school so like isn't perfect. So what do you, yeah. yeah. And how should we address those? And then the second question is, what is the best type of learning environment for these type of kids? Mm-hmm. And even though they're okay. all different. So that the first one yeah. is like interacting with the schools and trying to give the educators information to deal with these kids. Yeah. Basically, what I tell them is what what we've talked about today is is kind of giving them an understanding of what two E kids are and what they aren't and kind of demystifying, you know, that piece of it. But then I also, they want to know, okay, what do I do in my classroom to help support them? Because a lot of times what they see are kids that are refusing to do anything um, and are, are so bright and they don't, they can't figure out what the disconnection is. So I try and connect the dots for them in terms of um, talking about that chronic stress and giving them um, a way of, of kind of, dealing with that stress and um, helping them to, to learn as a teacher, how to co-regulate with the student. And it's harder in a classroom because you've got all the other kids in there. So uh, we kind of do a lot of uh, brainstorming. Is, is there someplace else that the person can go to? Is there like a counselor that they can go and just chill in their office for a little while and then come back? Um, you know, stuff like that to try and problem solve for that particular child um, so that they can handle the chronic stress. Um, I also talk about the asynchronous development um, and and why that's so uh, mind-boggling sometimes for teachers that they can do one thing one day and then the next day it's like not. not Explain that. Asynchronous development is when they are highly gifted in understanding their that that um, things verbally, but then they write like a second grader. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it a doesn't mismatch. match. And they're, and they're like, well, is it cause they, they don't. And, and, and we go into the conversation of a can't versus a, a won't and how they scaffold that. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, it's really confusing. I think to a lot of teachers that here's this very bright verbal or very, you know, gifted kid and they can't do certain things. It's like, what is that about? So I demystify that and talk about asynchronous development that they're going to be really developed in one area and it's going to be like not hardly at all. So they need the scaffolding for that, but then they also need the intellectual stimulation Of that to to make sure you're feeding both of those yep. exceptional areas. Wow, that's a which lot. is hard for a teacher to to do in a classroom setting. So then that sort of leads me to okay, so what kind of an educational environment do you want for a kid like this? Well, one that can be flexible <laughs> and is overall supportive of neurodiversity. I think are, are uh, your two main yeah. things. Yeah. Um. And and if you can, that they're more relational than behavioral, because I think behavioral things don't work so well with these kids because they can figure it out and get around it. They're smart. Um, so relational by relational, I mean that they work at at 
forming a relationship with this child. That is key. That that is an important part of the culture of the school. Um, That the culture of the school is you are an important person, whoever you are, and we value whoever you are. So there, there it embraces the neurodiversity. um, It's relational and, and what you achieve in school is an outflow of, of the relationship you have within the community. Because there are schools uh, in the area that are, you're going to achieve, you're going to be, um, you know, scholars, you are only that. And it's very unidimensional. So I think, you know, that more holistic approach is much, much more um, conducive uh, for success for kids like uh, like ours, like 2E kids. Um, well, mine's not so, 2E, and that's exactly what I want for him as well. You know? Well, but, and but, also... But, but having FA... But he has the same needs as, as, as yeah. JoJo and her son. Like, yeah. he needs, the, he all, needs the all of that. Kids. Yeah, all yeah. the neurodiverse Absolutely. That, yeah. Know? And that's, that's why I, I think we're going to start... I'm hoping we'll just say, you know, they're neurodiverse rather than they're this. Because yeah. I, I have never met a kid that had a set diagnosis that was the same as another kid with that same oh, diagnosis. Sure. They're just different. Um, and, and I think another another quality of a school is that they're willing to to look at complexity. Yeah. Um, because that's that's what this whole neurodiversity movement is, I think, is that we're willing to look now at complexity, that the, we're learning that that through neuroscience that the brain is, you know, we always kind of knew this, but we didn't know it, you know, sci- scientifically. Um, but it's showing that all the different interconnections, we can't separate out, oh, this is psychology, or this is just, um, you know, educational, or this is... Uh, movement or that, you know, it's all, it, they all feed into each other. They're, we're all integrated. So we can't, we learn in that way too. We can't silo everything out. So um, any, any kind of school that is going to look at complexity f- for these kids, because they are, they're complex. We're all complex. Um, but particularly these kids in terms of what they need, because you're, you know, at the basic level, you're, you're trying to help them at, on the ends of that bell curve, you know, you're trying to get them to, to be supported with scaffolding when they need it and, and let them reach for stars, um, you know, intellectually. So how do you do that? I, you know, I don't know exactly how to do that, but, um, if we have at least the willingness to, to deal with that complexity and hold that, we're we're going to be in a better place than uh no we're not we're not doing that yeah yeah because there are some schools that are saying well no we're only going to take the gifted part and we're not the rest of it yep you figure it out yeah they say to the parents they and do the parents are like what but, yeah and yeah. i think it's 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 a hard i think it's a it's and i would say to parents is it it's interesting because we Kate, we ran up against that with jojo because she got accepted to a very academic school Mm-hmm. And they really wanted her because of her testing and everything like that. And she wrote an essay that, like, you know, Deborah was like a screenplay. And so, but we knew that she wouldn't be able to handle the – because they didn't have any other pieces. Yeah. And we yeah. got a lot of flack from, you know, 
surround, you know, other people. Like, she's not going to be, you know, even my own family. She's not going to be stimulated. She needs a very stimulating academia environment because she's so intelligent. And Matthew and I just said, yeah, but she'll lose her shit, fall apart. Yeah. And fall off a cliff. Yeah. You don't want so, that. So, yeah. What's the point, what's the point of that? Self-esteem and being yeah. able to use right. the intelligence, you know, or have yeah. the tools What's the to, point yeah. of that? So I think you have to be yeah. very careful with these kids. You do. About and, that. And I th- yeah. And, and so school placement is a really big deal um, to think about all these aspects of what your kid needs. And, you know, no school is going to meet all of them, but ones that can meet most of it. I think are the way to go relationships and, uh, and then being open to neurodiversity and hearing the complexity are like the top yeah, three kind of things yeah, that you should be looking for yeah. in like your school setting of like, are they going to be yeah. adaptable and flexible to work? And, and it could be that it happens to be that school site because there's a bunch of teachers that are teaching there that get that. Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot of times people will ask me, well, what about this school? What about that school? And it's like, well, I, I don't know, because it depends on the classroom that that child is ending up in. And if the classroom teacher is not going to be these things, you know, can't really see the complexity and doesn't really think neurodiversity exists, then we're in trouble, no matter how good the school is. So so a lot of it is is year by year. It is, at it the is teacher. And, and, and it's a crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, but also I think, it is. I think you can find an, but also I think you can, if you know the administration too, and if you have exactly. a relationship with the administration exactly. and if they believe that, exactly. then they They're will hire people, they will hire people like that. Mm-hmm. And then they will enforce that. And it but will the trickle down. Exactly. Just believe it. They have to be able to implement it. Because yeah, that's what they our, have. one of our schools was like, I'll talk, but they could not. Yeah, you have to see them. It has to be a balance of the teachers really wanting to love the kid for who they are, as well as the administration being able to support and lead in that front. And that's that's where talking to other parents that are in that school um, is really helpful, you know, networking with with people that have experience with the classrooms at that school is really helpful. you know, because it's hard to look at the outside and know exactly what happens in, inside a classroom for a kid sitting in, in the room. Yeah. yeah. Completely. It's very difficult. Okay. Yeah. To wrap up, um, I wanted to ask you two questions, but it's the same mm-hmm. question, but one with your therapist hat, your educational therapist hat, <laughs> and yeah. one with your parenting hat, right? Okay. Okay. So as a therapist, what would you say parents should make their priority, I guess. Mm. Okay. And then as a parent, like, what would you wish you would have, like, what did you do right parenting? And then what would something you wish you had known? <laughs> oh, I know. That's a, that second one is going to be a long list. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. I feel like your um, therapist one, you basically just say, like, keep showing up. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of it is is just being present and you're present. I can't stress enough how much your calm presence makes a difference. I've had students that have had parents that could not do that for them. And I really consider those kids at being much higher risk 
for not being successful in life. So the the parents that have shown up, no matter if it's been, you know, not, you know, not the perfect thing, but they showed up. Those are the, those are the kids that have a better chance of, of making it through to the, you know, to adulthood and in one piece because they had parents with them the entire time. Um, and trying to understand, you know, maybe we don't understand all the, all the time, but at least we're trying and they know that. I think that's a really important piece. Um, and then with my, (laughs) yeah. And, and being present in the moment, not thinking about, you know, your to-do list, not thinking about, and I, and I know it's hard because we, we have to multitask, but, uh, when they need us, they need us. Um, then I think with my parent hat, I, let's see, <laughs> things that I, okay, the thing, you know. I love um, that the therapist when, one, like, where it's easy, and the parenting one is, like, the hardest oh, one. It's like, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, I, and I do this for a living. It's so much easier with other people's kids. And I tell all the parents, as I think, Suzanne, I told you this, that it's hard with your own kid. You you know, because your heart is there. You know, you've got this very strong bond with this this person uh-huh. and it breaks your heart to watch them struggle. So I think um, the thing that uh, I did, I actually followed when my son was um, diagnosed with Asperger's. I asked the the psychologist who was a colleague of mine at Frostig because I used to work there. Oh. And he said, um, he said. Deborah, the one thing you can do, it's just, and this is going to sound really, really cliche, is love your kid. And I'm like, that's what you're going to tell me? (laughs) It's like, well, I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what else? You know, but he, I I think that they're, that's kind of underrated um, because I I think all of the, the showing up and, you know, bringing your humor and your authentic all of that your authentic presence is what our kids need so yeah imperfect as it is um that's what we need to bring to our kids because that's what they've got (laughs) um and and being as creative as we can keeping our sense of humor i think when i when i i know i'm in trouble is when i lose my sense of humor yeah um the huge thing our joj and i really bond over that like yeah you know being funny with her and goofy Uh and having this being able to laugh with her is a huge now that i'm thinking about it that's a huge area that we connect over and and for her that is her stress release yeah it is go to it is. So yeah. this is what I mean. You find those things, uh, you know, humor is one of those things. I mean, and, and humor plays into creativity because yeah. when you are, when you're laughing, when you, you know, that opens up all of your creative juices um, because yeah. you're regulated. When you can laugh, you are regulated. And when you are regulated, that's where your creativity can come in. And we have to be uber creative with these kids. Um, because 
you know, you throw out all the parenting books, <laughs> almost all of them. You do. Um, yeah. We did. We're going to have know? a whole session on that. About we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go through and talk about how all these parenting. I think books. the only ones I kept were Tina Bryson's and Dan Siegel's because they were hey, like me too. Whole brain kind of uh-huh. showing up uh-huh. and it seemed practical and easy. Okay. I can show up. Like I can, you I know, can show up, but I think you're and right. I, yeah. You're right. And, and I, I think be yeah. calm. <laughs> and I can be calm. Well, it's funny because well. my, um, yeah. my mediation, uh, the woman that does my media is a media. I mean, not mediation, meditate. My meditation, um, woman who does like runs a, a woman's meditative group. Mm-hmm. I asked her cause I was about chat and I said, I'm so worried. She goes, Suzanne, Stop worrying and start loving. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. Yep. And I, whenever I start to get into my worry, uh, she's like, stop worrying. Just start loving him. And And that has worked. Yeah. And just be able to separate our stuff from their stuff. Yeah. When we start getting into our own stuff and it's like, oh, wait. That's mine. (laughs) I'm not going to put that on on my kid. (laughs) Yeah, I'm worried. Uh, Okay, that's part of my role, but I have to keep that separate. Then I know I need to do more restorative work with with myself. So (laughs) Uh, massages. I wish I would have known how to bring my kids uh, level down his his anxiety level to a, a lower baseline. So things like massage, acupuncture, chiropractic. Um, interesting cranial sacral, all of those things help to bring that level down because we have to remember they are dealing with chronic stress. All neurodiverse people are. And so teaching them how to bring that level down, um, so that their baseline is lower so that, because they're going to go up no matter what, but if their baseline's lower, I wish I had known that earlier. I didn't kind of figure that out until he was in high school. That's um, I would have, I would have started earlier. So I, that that's one area that's that interesting. I I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to, yeah, I think that's really smart. And they have, they have to, they have to decide what, it, what works for them. And they may have to try things at different times in their life, you know, in their trajectory here Yeah, and, and that may not work. But then, you know, a lot of times, especially kids on the spectrum, they say, well, it didn't work once. So it's never going to work. You have to kind of keep letting them test the waters and it's more than just something that calms them down like it's like a it, how would you bring it lower like i'm yeah like I'm, yeah because hmm. okay. i i take my kid to uh acupuncture every other week and he gets massage at least once a month if not more um and i can see a palpable difference in him over time, when he d- has a regular routine like that, his his anxiety level is much, much lower. And so he's able to recover a little bit quicker. And that recovery time is really important, too, because when they when they go out into the world, it's tough for them. We have to understand that they need recovery time. Yeah, they do. And and they yeah, need they that time. It's not it, and we can't plan, you know, one thing after another because they they start they start getting oppositional and that oppositional is a barometer that opposition is a barometer so we have to kind of look at that as as our bellwether okay it looks like things are stacking up and we need to we need to back off a little bit yeah i love that Uh, because i it's different than like we had talked about 
uh, like talk therapy because for someone like Jojo and even Jed, I don't, you know, you know, we were saying, oh, maybe they need therapy, but it's actually, that's not what they need. They need other areas of release. Yeah. And for Jojo, she goes horseback riding. And so when she does that twice a week and she's, and we just leave her there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does She does her 45-minute lesson, but then she stays 30 minutes afterwards, and she feeds the mm. horses, and she brushes them, See, and she cares for them. And so she's yeah. having all of this, like... Yeah. And horses are very regulating beings. Yes, I know. Yeah. There's a lot of therapeutic value with just hanging out with horses, so... Yeah, but I um, I like that idea. But finding finding those things that they click with, that they want to do. You know, my son was like, "Well, what I I don't want to do a massage." But then once he he experienced it, a lot of times they have to experience it in their bodies, and they oh wow, that's that was calming. Then they'll go back again. So you also have to vet the person that's providing the service that they have either worked with kids like yours uh, or have just a very gentle spirit that, you know, is, is going to calm your kid. And you, and that's why, you know, knowing what your kid needs is helpful there. That's very helpful. That's All very helpful. I mean, amazing. I know, I know it's, it's I've learned like, so much. I know it's amazing. Yeah, I learned. Oh, good. We a need lot. we need a hundred of you. I feel like there's only one of you. I'm serious though, yeah. because you take a you. I mean, you know, well, JoJo's crack up. She went through like five different ed therapists before we met you, and, and I just hounded uh-huh. her. I was like, "Hi, it's me again. Can you call me back? Hi, hi, hi." <laughs> I know she did. I was like, "I know you're not taking anyone, but like, I'm still us. here." Let you know. Yeah. Well, I just yeah. and I was trying to sell JoJo. Like she's really amazing. Um. Yeah. But, she did. She did a great job. Yeah, <laughs> Suzanne, you did. I'm in sales. Hence. Yeah, I know. Um, so I think the ed therapy too needs to shift. We're going to talk to another person in the next session, and she's a speech therapist. But she she's a speech uh-huh. therapist, but she's holistic too. Yeah, yeah. And we need the you know we need more ed therapists or ed specialists to be trained yeah. in a holistic yeah. manner because a lot of it is not. Yeah. Eight, two yeah. plus two. Well, and you think, no. oh, an ed therapist is going to, like, yes, you help them with the reading and writing or whatever, but really you're helping them with the thought process and, like, getting the barriers yeah. out and then relating yeah. to their strengths and, like, helping with exactly. their and doing all that yeah. stuff. I used to tease that I that I wanted Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson to be, like, my grandparents. <laughs> and I was like, and you can be my aunt. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have everyone right there on my fingertips. <laughs> That's Thank, funny. Lord. Thank you so much for just sharing oh, you're your gift and your time with you're us. Welcome. Like, this has been my pleasure. Hugely beneficial. And I think our listeners oh, are going to resonate with Everything. one part of it or all of it. All of just it. Realizing, even oh, if you don't have a two each child, like I'm sitting here going, oh, "Wow, Jackson but, needs this," and "Oh yeah, this and that," and like it's it was very amazing. And I appreciate. Oh, you thank, and thank you for doing this podcast because you know parents need this; they really do. So I'm so glad that you're doing it. Yeah, I think it's my pleasure. We need each other and we need we need yeah. each other to be part of our village as well. So Yes. Yeah. I'm yes. happy to be part of the village. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you, Deborah. You're welcome. Thank you okay. So much. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. We truly appreciate it. Please subscribe to Finding Neurodivergence through Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.